stand to vote for Tito Jackson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the Codcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. I'm here with my colleague, Bruce Mole. And it is not often, in fact, I don't think the Codcast has ever had a guest who came with his own theme song that uh, could bring us into the conversation. But you just heard uh, a few lines from a 2009 song that was appropriately enough called Vote for Tito Jackson. It was a campaign song that Tito Jackson uh, had for his first run for city council in 2009. Two years later, in 2011, he was elected to the city council where he has served since then. He is now uh, asking Boston voters to cast another vote for Tito Jackson, but this time for a considerably more high-profile office. As he announced last week, he is running for mayor uh, of the city. And we'd like to welcome Tito Jackson to the podcast. Thank you so much, Michael. I, I, I thought there was going to be some fish and chips uh, involved. Um, I'm, I'm a little disappointed um, and hungry now uh, that uh, uh, I came in. And uh, this, this lovely bottle of water, I guess we'll have to do. That's it. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna feast on the on, on all of the some the, meaty ideas, uh, the ideas that okay. you have for the city. Yes. And so, I mean, just to start things off, Tito, you are uh, a candidate for mayor of Boston. Uh, three years ago, uh, when we had an open race for the first time in twenty years, you mm-hmm. you got behind uh, uh, Marty Walsh, who prevailed. Now, Mayor Walsh. Three years later, uh, you think you're you're the better the better guy for the job. Uh, I, I think you answered that question. No, so I, the uh, in in 2013, I believe I chose uh, the best candidate in the 2013 race, um, and and seeing things unfold over the past uh, three years, uh, I believe that I am uh, the best choice in uh, 2017. Uh, we have lost our way. We have lost our track. The GPS is broken, uh, Michael. Um, we have been distracted uh, by uh, Olympics. Uh, the the Olympics that would have put our city in financial peril. We have a AAA bond rating, and uh, we were willing to, to give that away uh, for a $12 billion. We thought it was going to be $9 billion, and I want to thank uh, Governor Baker for kind of figuring that out. Uh, but I also want to uh, 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 actually uh, think about what we were going to do even uh, this past August with the uh, race that was going to happen, uh, the IndyCar race, these are all distractions from what the people of city of the city of Boston are actually going through uh, right now. Uh, there are people who call my office every single day from across the city who are losing their housing, who are being priced out of the city of Boston. I don't know who can afford a four thousand uh, four thousand dollar a month uh, two bedroom, but many most working families can't afford that. Uh, in addition, um, the uh, young people in the in the city of Boston had four thousand them had to walk out last year, Michael, uh, for uh, this mayor uh, to determine that he needed to restore some of the funding and I would say that's their birthright, uh, to be able to have a great education in uh, the city of Boston. And I will uh, prioritize public education uh, in a Jackson administration. Uh, but in, in addition, uh, they, there's, there's a, a point towards uh, that the city of Boston is safer. Well, you know what? There's a 24% uh, increase in shootings alone in Mattapan. Um, in, in South Boston, there's a double, a doubling of shootings uh, in in uh, in South Boston, um, so we need to really look at uh, public safety as a whole. And I just will note 
We have some of the most talented uh, police officers um, who dedicate their lives to doing uh, this service, and they need the resources uh, in order to be able to uh, do great work here. And lastly, the most important thing, I believe, is that people in the city of Boston need jobs for those folks who actually live uh, in, in this city. And we've seen huge corporate giveaways uh, to companies like General Electric. Um, and for me, when I think about I, I love big companies. I love small companies who someday are going to be those big companies. But w- what we need to see in the city of Boston is a reinvestment in local companies innovative companies in the city of Boston and small businesses of folks who have been here, who are, are part of our DNA, and by the way, who want to be here uh, and, and are not here for a uh, $276 million package uh, with a helipad. And I know uh, Bruce, uh, you know, Bruce's heli- helicopter is, is in a shop now, is it? It's in the shop, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I saw Michael flying in on, on his, and, you know, he's, I, I, I thought he was going to have a better ladder, but he's still using that rope ladder. But again, that's, those are, that's a publicly funded helipad. What universe are we living in where I had to go to a meeting where we were talking about a publicly funded helipad? Oh, I'm sorry, whether, whether it was going to be a helipad or a heliport. For the uh, people and, and the people in South Boston saying they didn't want it, and I had I had to hightail it over to the bowling building in order to testify and, and try to stop the closure of a Boston public school, the Mattahunt School in in Mattapan. We've lost our way, and I would say um, that I have a plan um, in, in to ensure that we focus on the most important things uh, for this great city on a hill that we call Boston, and we ensure that everybody not just some people, uh, are able to benefit from the prosperity in the city of Boston. And so, Tito, you, you're, you, you've raised this sort of theme of inequality in some ways, kind of the, the haves who are benefiting, the have-nots who are still struggling. And how, how do you sort of go about tackling that? How does a mayor uh, yeah. begin to impact something like that, that there are a lot of big national and even global forces yeah. uh, pushing on that? Yeah. So uh, let, let's look. First off, uh, the, the, the mayorship in the city of Boston is one of the strongest in the country. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't buy and I can't and I will not buy. Uh, and in my uh, my administration, in the Jackson administration, you will see me me actually own uh, that role relative to being able to, to help people in their lives. Uh, you, so first off, as an elected official, we got into this this work not to push off and say we can't do stuff. Uh, we got into this work uh, to actually get together in one of the smartest cities in the whole world to actually get together and have smart people sit at a table and, and think about how we can do this work. So let's look at a couple things. Uh, uh, Boston Public Schools. So I was one of the chief proponents, and you you were there uh, on the on the no on question too. Not because I, I am uh, categorically against uh, charters a, as a whole, but that would would have cut the legs out of uh, folks, uh, of, of young, young people's education and the funding for it. Uh, this mayor actually put forward legislation to increase the number of charter schools and take more money away from uh, the young people in the Boston public schools. I would not do that. I would focus on the 57,314 students in the Boston public schools, and I would actually work uh, to uh, deal with several issues. Um, first, let's, let's, I would go back 
and actually restore funding for the autistic uh, students whose class size went up 25% based on uh, this mayor's, uh, I, I believe, underfunding uh, of, uh, of uh, public education last year. I would go back and restore funding for trauma students. Um, I would go back and actually create jobs for a nurse in every single school in the city of Boston. I would create a curriculum, a K-12 computer science curriculum. Everybody, this reading, writing, arithmetic thing uh, that we had, that doesn't cut it anymore. Uh, there are 1.4 million open jobs in computing and f- only 400,000 people studying it. In addition, um, I would ensure uh, that we have pathways to uh, to the businesses and the commu- and, and the and the business communities for our young people. And I would finally, finally, Michael, uh, deal with this issue of vocational technical education, uh, which I believe is a critical component. Um, and uh, this mayor has uh, again lost sight of uh, many of the very important uh, things that need to happen at Madison Park Vocational Technical High School. That's a, it's about solutions. And it's not about abdicating our responsibility. Uh, it's about focusing on the things that people in the city of Boston need. Hey, on, on the affordable housing front, um, there's a lot that we, we have a red hot, there are people in Beijing, China, who wake up and think about investing in the seaport. It's an amazing thought, right? That's kind of, and so the question is, Couple couple of stats uh, that are really important that we need to think about. So, fifty percent of the people in the city of Boston make thirty five thousand dollars or less. Fifty percent of people, right? And so, when we think about affordable housing, when you build even affordable units that are sixty five thousand or for seventy thousand it, dollars, it's there's something called the AMI. Right, you so, mean for people of that income? Yeah, for that, it's not that the unit cost. Yes, right. Yeah, it's not. It's not what it costs, right? But um, for people of that in, income uh, yeah. bracket, what that for that person who makes thirty five thousand dollars, that that apartment might might as well be a ten thousand dollar a month uh, apartment because they can't afford uh, to live there. So the question is, are we going to be a city of only million dollar condos, or are we going to protect our economy, uh, the resilience of our city? Um, and the fact that one of our largest fields is is a medicine that people need to be close enough to the city of Boston uh, to actually be here. And so, so what do we do to to deal with those issues? Um, I believe uh, just as the people from the J.P. Roxbury Planning uh, Committee that actually came together uh, in that community, um, they encouraged, and uh, the BPDA uh, accepted last night, thirty five percent affordability along along that corridor. Uh, for the next 300 or some 300 some odd units, and the, you know, and so a lot of people in the development community would say, you know what, uh, that we can't do that. You know what? The question is, why don't we use the same mentality in uh, affordable housing that we use in selling your house? So, Michael, really smart guy. If you're going to sell your house, you're going to start at the highest price. And then, by the way, if you know Bruce, uh, Bruce's helicopter gets sold, uh, you're going to actually turn <laughs> turn it, turn it down a little bit. So why don't we start at the highest levels of affordability and see if someone bites, and turn it down a little bit if uh, someone else, uh, it, it, and and determine whether or not uh, people can actually um, make it work from from their business model. In addition, I would separate the planning and development functions from the BPDA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a city uh, of, of Boston right now. Uh, that planning doesn't occur. What happens is people want to develop, and then they develop a plan around the development. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I, uh, yes, just, just to go back to the housing thing uh, for a second. Um, 
because this this whole idea of having set, a set, setting aside a certain percentage of, of, of new development for mm-hmm. affordable units mm-hmm. is appealing, but it also seems that at something like 35%, I don't know how they've sort of worked out the numbers, mm-hmm. but the more of those units you set aside, it does have the effect of, of for developers, meaning that the remaining two-thirds of the units are going to be even more costly. And so yeah. those are for people, families in the middle class, making 100 or 150,000, you're starting to price them out. I mean, it, it, there has to be a balance. And, and I, I, you know, the, this mayor has talked about really sort of, in some ways, sort of his first card I think he's playing is kind of a market-based increase the supply, right? It's, it's yeah. sort of calling on the sort of laws of supply and demand. We recently did hear some reports that rents are stabilizing a little bit at a high level that they're at, but but they're not soaring. There may be sort of some early signs that yeah. that are yeah. increasing the supply, even if it's at the high end, is beginning to have yeah. some of that, that that effect that people were looking I get for. It. And there, there's something called economies of scale, right? So I, I'm, I'm right there with you relative to uh, that component. And so there is, uh, in, in this plan, a density bonus, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what? If you're going to do... This is how negotiations work. If you're going to do more uh, for those who are, in, are having a tough time, we can actually uh, do a little bit more for you in terms of uh, increasing uh, the uh, height and density of the buildings uh, mm-hmm. that you're able to build. And that's one of the ways uh, that we're able to uh, make things uh, more affordable. Um, and I think uh, we need to be thinking about some more home ownership. Um, and parts of the city, uh, there are still many parcels of, of city land. And we should be looking and have a metric as to what effect is the city land uh, that is being built on having on the actual economy. And we should not be using city land to push people out of neighborhoods and communities. And again, this is not only Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan. Uh, this is happening uh, all over the city in East Boston and South Boston uh, and uh, all parts of uh, the city of Boston. And so it's absolutely critical that we get our arms uh, around uh, these issues uh, in, in this space. One of the other ideas that I would also toss out and, and uh, uh, that has to do with housing is that I would actually uh, move fo- move forward, something that I, p- I put forward last year and uh, was brought to the table uh, by the Massachusetts Association of HUD tenants is that uh, we should be creating city uh, city funded vouchers, right? So for five million dollars, you get four hundred vouchers, and so instead of putting people in uh, in in in, in uh, some of the organizations uh, that house folks temporarily um, in our shelters, which cost, by the way, costs us a lot of money per bed, um, we actually are able to put people uh, in, use, in, in their own housing and then send the resources to them. It's more cost efficient uh, and, and actually more feasible. And, and the first people we should put there, uh, Michael and Bruce, are the people who were displaced from Long Island. That is a stain on the city of Boston for what we did to the most vulnerable students in, I'm sorry, I'm not students, I'm sorry, the most vulnerable people uh, in in, uh, the city of Boston, folks who were in the throes of recovery, uh, who were making progress and were were put back in closest proximity uh, to uh, uh, some uh, to some of the most high, highly uh, uh, sorry, the highest density um, of uh, drug dealing in the whole city of Boston, and so uh, I think about that on a regular basis. And we need to make sure that the that the folks who are pushed off of Long Island are given permanent housing, and that we take care of those folks first. You seem to be. Um 
have a, have a, a sort of underlying concern here about where Boston is headed. And you mm-hmm. mentioned the people from Beijing are getting up and buying condos here. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody that lives in the city sort of feels there's a big change happening mm-hmm. in the city. And some of that's obviously good. Mm-hmm. That, you know, your buildings are going up. Oh. Even out in the neighborhoods, things are changing. Mm-hmm. Unemployment is extremely low. What are you so concerned about, though? Is You think it's getting out of out of hand that uh, that you, you've mentioned people being priced out, but some of these condos are going for extraordinary amounts of money. Uh, is the is the culture of the city changing dramatically? Yeah, so I'll tell you a little, just a little bit about myself. So I, I was born at uh, Boston City Hospitals, now Boston Medical Center. Uh, I was born in '75, and um, I was in the hospital for two weeks. And the reason why I was in the hospital for two weeks is not because I was sick. Um, it was because uh, I was born to a 13-year-old um, who had been sexually assaulted by two guys. Right? I was in foster care for two uh, for another two weeks, and I was then adopted. And I was adopted by amazing parents, Herbert and Rosa Jackson. They adopted four of us, and they had three kids. So there were seven of us who lived in the city of Boston, three miles from downtown. Hmm. And you know what? We live in a, we lived in a house, right? We have we have a I, I bought that house. We have a driveway. We had a backyard. My mom made me learn how to ride my bike in the driveway, and I, there's a bush that I couldn't go past. I learned how to drive in the driveway <laughs> <laughs> because because it's my mom, right? But we lived in a city where a family of seven could actually stay in the city of Boston, and we were all right. Right? We had some tough times when beans and beans and rice nights. But we have we live in a city right now that some of those folks who you think are doing well, uh, in those four thousand dollar two two bedrooms, there's four people living there. Right? And people are making decisions about medicine, food, heat, and rent. Right? And trying to figure uh, figure that out. In parts of the city, and you say you say the, the, there's a low unemployment in Roxbury. There's 17 percent unemployment, right? And we obviously know that unemployment only t- in, encapsulates those people who are quote unquote looking uh, looking for work. Right. Um, and so there's huge disparities. And again, uh, these are uh, they fall around racial lines, they fall along gender lines, and they also fall around uh, socioeconomic lines. We don't have mobility in the city of Boston, right? So the, the other issue that we have to begin to think about is how are people able to go up the food chain? And so we should be looking at how do we partner with the folks in the city who pay not a lot of taxes, um, our friends uh, at colleges, universities, uh, as well as um, hospitals, and let's let's have a conversation with them about how many Boston residents are you actually hiring, right? So if you're looking at what we refer to as the social determinants of health, and that 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 just means that your zip code is overriding your genetic code. Um, in, in the city of Boston, from actually my district, from the Back Bay to Roxbury, there's two miles in between. There's a 33 year difference in life expectancy. 33 years and, and two miles, right? So that po- that issue of poverty, issue of food deserts, and all of those things are affecting and having negative outcomes on people in, in the city of Boston. And so, again, I, we want to, and, and I, I'm not here to, to uh, make folks who are doing well 
um, uh, you know, shoulder all of uh, the blame or responsibility. We have an opportunity, and it's our job in government uh, to ensure that folks are, are able to be brought along. And in addition, that also means that when you have an opportunity to fully fund our education system, that you don't give that money to a General Electric, that you don't give that money to a helipad when you could have used those, that, those funds to better a school. And that you don't give uh, this huge, and you don't give the farm to a company like like General Electric. When we have Boston-based, homegrown companies that actually could have used those resources, and that twenty years from now aren't going to pick up and leave and 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 move uh, for the highest bid. And I, I, I even companies, and I want to say this, uh, like a company like Fidelity, right? Who for years has asked for some help to keep some of their business units here. And their, those business units have been have been moved to to other states. That's a homegrown company in in the, in, the, in the state of Massachusetts and in the city of Boston who asked and didn't receive help. And uh, we actually brought in another company. And I, I really do think we we were the we got a little excited at the at the auction and stood up um, and 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 overbid for that. And I'm not mad, by the way. Or, and I don't. Uh, I, in, in my administration, we're, we're not going to uh, blame those who actually receive the incentive. Uh, my administration will actually look at um, how we uh, invest in small businesses, which are the bulk of the businesses in the city of Boston, um, and uh, Boston-based uh, businesses first, um, and also our innovation economy, our startups. Is the helipad a, a real legitimate issue, or is it a symbol? Because I thought it was going to be self-supporting that that the, they, they would charge whatever they need to, to finance the helipad. Are you hearing that there's going to be a lot of public money going into it? So what I would say to you is that um, in, in terms of how public finance works, uh, capital dollars and, and capital dollars uh, of your money, understand, uh, money from uh, your, your either local uh, and or state taxes would be uh, put forward to build that. And maybe may, we may or may not recoup those dollars, but your money... Right, the money that comes out of your check because you don't really pay. We 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 actually take it out of your check. Um, though those dollars, I believe, uh, is is a, a contract that we have with the people in the state of Massachusetts and in the city of Boston that we will do right by your dollars. And so I will not in the Jackson administration. You won't see me put our city in jeopardy uh, with something like the Olympics that where they came to us said. Nine billion dollars. This thing's going to cost. But you know what, Boston City Council, we're not actually going to show you the financial documents. We're, we're, you're just going to have to take it at, at, at face value. And so, what ended up happening? I had to subpoena the financial documents for them to show them to us to show us that they were five million, five hundred million dollars in the red. When it, when it comes to a uh, publicly funded uh, helipad, yes, it's not only symbolic. Because the money is real. It's not only a, a symbol, but it is an indication that we have lost track, that our eye is off of the ball of all of those people in the city of Boston but who are struggling. You, you were, originally, you were supportive, I believe, of the, of the Olympic bid. Is that right? And, and this sort of city uh, guarantee has always been part of it. So that was sort of known from the start that ultimately yeah. the city would have to agree to that. So I, I, I approach the Olympic uh, bid and uh, just as I approach uh, any other idea. I, I approach it with an, an open ear, right? Um, it, it polled really high in my district, about 85% um, in, in uh, uh, most of my, my, my district. But um, this is government 
people come up with a lot of really good ideas that seem like great ideas in the beginning. And there's something called municipal finance. And uh, the proof is actually in the pudding. So it, it should always be a requirement uh, that we look before we leap, uh, that we trust and, ver- trust and verify that we are actually going to move forward um, in— Quoting good- Ronald Reagan here. Uh, listen, well, you know, he, 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 he wasn't—and speaking—well, we're talking about corporate giveaways, so that's exactly—that's uh, uh, in the same vein. But when it comes down to it, um, it is critical that w- you have a fiscal manager uh, who will not be reckless— uh, with our funds, and this also this this that recklessness occurred in many negotiations. We spent two point nine million dollars in wasted money uh, in the negotiations with casino with, with the uh, casino, and and when we, we and we got less, <laughs> we got less from when than what, than what was on offer in the beginning. And, and then we had a, a law firm, a high-priced law firm downtown, who sends us a $2.9 million bill. Um, again, a waste. A waste with the Boston Police Department. They have a hair test that the courts have said is actually discriminates based on race. We've spent $1.9 million with high-priced lawyers defending something that we've gotten our we've gotten our our, our cities um, took us and I, I, my mom doesn't allow me to say the other word uh, kicked in court. The question is: Are we going to have a fiscal manager uh, in in the city of Boston who will actually concentrate on the things that the people of Boston need, want, and deserve um, instead of uh, swinging for the fences every single time? You know what? Uh, what we sh- what what we should be uh, concentrating on? Uh, there's a young lady who helped with the walkout. Her name is Gabby. I, she's one of the most amazing young leaders I've, I've, I've ever uh, met. But you know what? They were about to cut her teachers. We should be concentrating on uh, folks um, at uh, Boston Latin Academy who uh, they had Arabic. And they were, t- they were young people who were two years into a language. And they said, you know what? We're actually going to cut your language so you're no longer going to be offered that. We should also look at Boston Latin School, one of the best schools that we've ever that that that, uh, that is in our in our district. In Boston Latin School, ironically, Bruce, and, and uh, we don't offer eighth grade science class. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have you guess when they take the MCAS for uh, for science. You want to guess? Yeah. In eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Right. So, so I want to back well, so, to sort of so, bigger, so, bigger picture yeah, for a okay. second. When you say that, that, that you know you feel like Mayor Walsh has sort of lost his way, I'm just sort of interested in in how you sort of see that because he's a guy who it's sort of hard to peg as sort of the uh, uh, you know the champion of the downtown interests or the big companies. You would think he's a you know he, he's a guy who grew up in a working class family in Dorchester. You grew up in Roxbury. Yeah. You both seem like, uh, uh, you know, kind of sons of the city from its, from its uh, uh, you know, working class or middle class neighborhoods. And he would certainly still argue that's very much who he is. And we heard in his State of the City speech this week, we didn't hear much about helipads or, or other, other kind of uh, the bright new shiny thing. We heard about him talking about a billion dollars for a school building fund for Boston. Yeah. Again, um, again. And, and expanding universal pre-K. So, so what I would say to you is, is this. When, when you look at government, uh, what I'd lo- love for your listeners to look at, please don't, don't listen to words like policy. 
uh, policy means nothing uh, when it with, when it's not attached to a budget. And I would I would submit to you that a budget is a value statement. It tells you about uh, an individual leader and uh, the things that they care about. And so when I see someone leave our young people high and dry and leave them with a $30 million hole, and, and, I, and the, one of the most offensive things that I've ever heard uh, said to uh, young people who knew that their schools were being cut, who knew uh, that, uh, that librarians be, were being uh, cut, right? He, he said that they were, this mayor said to young people that they were misinformed, Right? They knew exactly what they were talking about, and they know that they have they are valuable. And by the way, they know that they're 100% of the future of the city of Boston. Um, what do we say to the small businesses uh, who start their business with their own capital, who uh, reinvest that own, their own capital to uh, bring more employees on in, in the city of Boston? Um, 85% of, of, of businesses in the whole state of Massachusetts are 50 people or less. What do we say to them when we toss a quarter of a billion dollars at one of the richest companies in the whole United States of America? Mind you, that company, when they were supposed to be bringing jobs here, they laid off 200 people. In that same year, that same calendar year, they laid off 200 people and they still haven't paid their bill to Pittsfield and the Housatonic River. And we, as a city, begin to speak about uh, these issues around how we care about our environment. And that's another uh, thing that you will see in the in Jackson administration. We will take our environment serious. Uh, we will implement, uh, uh, we will uh, work very, very closely uh, to in- implement uh, all of the aspects of uh, Vision Zero. Uh, we will uh, work uh, to uh, uh, inspire even more uh, innovation in the green economy. Um, and uh, really uh, look at how uh, we can, I believe, uh, be uh, the best node uh, for uh, the green and renewable economy in in the uh, in the uh, st- uh, state of Massachusetts as well as uh, the um, uh, the United States of America. So, so can we just mm-hmm. just turn it sort of for a minute? To, we're getting a little short on time. Kind of the brass tacks of the campaign. We've had a lot of, yeah. I think, good conversation on sort of the. Your vision for the city, but just to throw a few numbers, I'm sure these are going to be numbers you're familiar with. So on the one hand, 65,000 versus 3.5 million, which I'm sure you realize is sort of the often cited comparison of campaign funds that you have versus the mayor's. Or the other number that I think we've seen in almost every story is 1949, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you're well aware refers to the last time a sitting mayor was was voted out. So just talk to us a little bit about how this thing will. Saw, we'll, we'll move forward and, and how you see sort of a Jackson victory in November. Yeah, so, um, well, a couple of things. You, Against you should what know. people would say are considerable odds. Yeah, you know what? Uh, there's a bunch of considerable odds uh, that that uh, went into what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Uh, a situation where uh, someone spent $800 million more on, on a race. And I would say to you, um, you know what? A couple, couple. Let, let's 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 have a reality check here, right? Um, we're Boston. Um, you can't buy an election in, in, in Boston for three point five million dollars. You can buy a condo, um, but when it comes down to uh, the city of Boston, maybe not the nicest. Well, not, yeah, right? exactly. But but let me look, for the past five years, uh, every every day uh, I've dedicated to working in District Seven. Um, to de- delivering for the people uh, of District 7. 
um, and uh, to look at what I have in my bank account um, wh- while someone who, who's been in office and been raising money for the past three years, and I, I've barely been doing this thing three days, um, I think uh, is, is not the right ruler. But I, I, I would say, you know, when there is a Goliath in front of you, there, there's a David inside you. And in that space, let's just think about what, uh, what happened with the Boston 2024 and no Boston Olympics and no Boston 20, 2024. The Boston Olympics, Boston 2024 Olympics, spent $15 million. And there will not be a, an Olympics here. No Boston 2024 and no Boston Olympics. I checked with them. They spent under $10,000. So I guess the question that we should be asking uh, is, uh, does the current mayor have too much money to win, not whether I have enough? The real underlying issue here is that we need a mayor, and what you will see from the Jackson administration, who cares about the whole city, all 23 neighborhoods of it, uh, not just some. Um, Someone who goes to work every single day um, that is going to work on closing the gap uh, building bridges and uh, tearing down walls uh, and ensuring that the city of Boston as a whole, the whole state of the city of Boston uh, is strong, uh, not simply uh, some. Uh, I, I wake up every single day uh, trying to close that uh, divide, 58.9 in Roxbury and 92 years of age in, uh, in, in, um, in, in Back Bay. Um, we are a great city. Uh, but we uh, have left people uh, behind. As I noted before, 50% of people make 35000 or less. The Brookings Institute recently came out uh, with information that shows that we are the most uh, inequitable city in the whole United States of America. When this mayor took the reins, we were number three. The number one is an unenviable role. Um, we have the, uh, the, the greatest spirit, uh, some of the greatest people, and the reason why we're great uh, is because of the, the, those great people and the great spirit. And we want the people who made this city great to be able to stay here. Uh, we don't want them forced out. And we don't want any part of our city uh, to be uh, unsafe. Uh, everyone deserves to be able to be safe in the city of Boston. You deserve to be able to live here, work hard, and make a good living. Um, and that's why our slogan is, We are Boston. We as a whole are are Boston, and I really look forward to serving the people of the city of Boston, Um, and I ask for your vote in September, I ask for your vote in November, and I look forward to serving you as the 55th mayor of the city of Boston. And that will probably do it for this episode of the podcast, and we look forward to hopefully having you back in as the campaign uh, unfolds, Tito, over the the coming months, but I want to thank you for coming in today, and uh, for my colleague Bruce Moll, I'm Michael Jonas at Commonwealth Magazine. This has been another installment of the podcast, which you can subscribe to on SoundCloud or iTunes. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again next week. Thank you. <laughs>